Harvest Church. Y'all stand up and let's worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace that has given us life and life more abundantly, but most importantly, life eternally. Man, are y'all excited to be in the house of the Lord today? Well, let's go, church. Let's worship.
church, you believe that today? Come on, we got breath in our lungs and a song in our heart to lift up to the King. God, we thank you that you are in this house. Glory, God. Neither height nor depth can separate us from your love, God. And we are so glad you are here with us. Can you sing this with me? I've never been more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up. So there's nothing I can do to let you down. Doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I've never been more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to call me out. You would cross an ocean.
about to do. We are inviting all of us, even those of you that are watching online, to participate in communion. So if you're at home, we're going to give you a few seconds to run and get a cracker, some bread, granola bar, water, juice, so you can participate with us. You know, I read some weeks back, well, probably some years back, that the root meaning of the word communion means participation by all. So if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is an awesome opportunity for us to remember not just the words of the song, but remember that God is more than enough. And because he's more than enough, then we are enough. It says this in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. It says, for I pass this on to you, what I've received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Can you imagine that? Imagine being set up to be betrayed. 
And on that night, you can have the fortitude to host a dinner party and still give thanks to God. So in this song, God is more than enough. It's not just songs to make you feel good. We have an example from Jesus himself who walked this thing out, that even though I'm being set up to be betrayed and to die and I haven't done anything, Father, you are enough. And because you're enough, I can stand in the face of this adversity. It says, then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So for those of you who have elements, you can go ahead and take your bread. And how I learned to take communion is I just break it. I'm doing this in remembrance of him because his body was broken for me. Let's take and eat together. The scripture goes on to say, this is the cup, which is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. So let's take it and drink together. to remember me and as often as you drink it for every time that you eat the bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again now some of you may be wondering and some of you may be watching saying oh my goodness we didn't pray before we had communion and we didn't repent of our sins well you know what the communion table is not a place for us to be sin conscious the communion table is a place for us to remember Christ's goodness toward us, to remember his love. So we don't have to go through all of those man-made formalities because he is enough, we are enough. And so that's why we just went ahead and took communion because it's just like if you go to someone's house for dinner, you don't say, oh, I'm not worthy to eat because this, work at, this time at work, I was mad at my boss or I didn't act right at home. You don't come to a dinner table like that. You just come hungry, ready to eat ready to be served. That is the communion table that we are invited to, to partake and to receive God's goodness. So now we're going to pray, but we're going to pray a prayer of thanksgiving and thank him for being more than enough. Oh, most gracious and everlasting father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. Jesus, we thank you that you thought so much of us that you would come in the form of man and that you would take everything that we are going through in your physical body and you would die on the cross and rise again so that in moments like these, we can remember your goodness. We can remember your sacrifice. We can remember how much we are loved. And because you love us, it is well. Lord, every circumstance, we roll the care of it over to you. And in this moment, we just say thank you for being our God. There is none like you. We exalt you in your proper place Jesus as Lord over all and especially as the Lord of our lives we love you so much we remember you in this moment and we thank you it is in your precious name that we pray amen let us continue to worship together if he dresses the lilies Veronica will you lead us in that part if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor
breathing God, for being the God that the earth is your footstool, for being the God that owns a thousand cows, to being the God that money doesn't even matter. And so I pray, Father God, that our focus is on you. That phrase, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Father God, in times that we are up and in times that we are down, Father you reign in victory, and you are God. And in all God's people say, amen and amen.
Hey, everyone. Welcome to Converge Live, our in-person worship experience. It's always a little hard to follow worship, but I'm here, so amen. If this is your first time worshiping with us, thank you so much for being here. We do have a small gift that we would like to give you as our way of saying thank you for joining us today. So if you could connect with us after worship experience, after our worship experience at the Welcome Center, we can give that gift to you. We wanna say a welcome also to Converge Nation, our online virtual family that joins us every Sunday via rebroadcast. So can you guys just help me welcome them, give them a shout out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Converge family, we have some things that are gonna be coming up in the days and weeks ahead that we want you to join us in. And so we wanna make you aware of them. First is we are continuing our Summer Bible Immersion campaign, and we are journeying now through the book of Numbers. I was about to say Exodus, old habits die hard. Through the book of Numbers, we just ask that you read one corresponding chapter each day. We are on chapter seven. And if you walk with us through the book of Exodus, you know that you don't want to miss this. So you know what I'm gonna say next. We ask you to do a couple of things. First and foremost, pray that God would give you insight as you read the book of Numbers, write down your observations. You can journal either writing it down or on your smartphone, but just take this journey with us. It is well worth it. We also are going to have our super summer water baptism on Saturday, September 11th at 5 p.m. So if you have made a recent first time decision to follow Jesus, we want to celebrate with you. We just ask that you would send an email to admin at weareconverge.com and we will get all the details over to you. We also have Converge merch available. So if you want to check that out, stop by the merch table at the end of service, or you can visit us online at store.weareconverge.com. And then in order to stay abreast of all of these things, we're asking you guys to join us on our social media platforms. So follow us on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube. We can be found at We Are Converge. Be sure to like, be sure to subscribe, be sure to share with your family and friends, okay? Awesome. If you guys would like to partner with us financially, we do have multiple ways that you can do that. First, you can give here in person. We have some ushers in the aisles with envelopes if you need them. We just ask that you fill those out in their entirety. Just make sure you write down all the details and then you can place them in the receptacles at the end of our worship service. You can also give by texting Converge, give to, and the dollar amount to 77977. And then you can give online by visiting weareconverge.com forward slash give, and you can do that safely and securely. Along those lines, we do have, and I wanna pull my phone out so that I don't miss any of the important details. We do have an urgent opportunity that we can give by partnering with our local outreach partner, Hope's Door. Uh, we all know it's time for back to school. And so there are some children who are in need and we have a need for 10 headphones, 10 Expo markers, port size Ziploc bags, folders with brads, paper plates and Play-Doh. We have two ways that you guys can partner with us in doing that. First, you can give via their Amazon wish list. And if you would go to us on Facebook or Instagram, you can find that link where you can click on that and you can have whatever you would like to contribute shipped directly to Hope's Door. And then you can also give by making a donation to Converge Missions electronically between now and 11th. 
everything that you give guys 100% will go directly to Hope's Door again you would visit www.weareconverge.com forward slash give you can click on missions select the dollar amount and follow all the prompts all right we appreciate your generosity we always appreciate your support in helping locally and globally along those lines we do have a video that we want to share with you about just a real life example of how your financial support helps us help the nation and help the world all righty we appreciate you guys thank you so much enjoy the rest of the worship experience and I'm here with some of the Living Water Ministry staff. We've spent our entire day packing around 80 food packages to hand out to some of young adults within our ministry. During this second wave of COVID, things have been very difficult here in our community. So many people are without jobs and without food. These food packages should last their families about two weeks. We are so blessed with your continued support. So thank you again for partnering with us. We could not do this without you. just words that is a heartfelt sentiment here at Converge Church in fact we borrowed this from Olive Garden when you're here you're family amen so welcome home welcome to our Saturday night family reunion right here at Converge Church ah I gotta get better with that y'all help your pastor with it in fact I may need to do about 25 push-ups every time I timestamp this service. And what I mean by that is we're here in person tonight, but we have people who are going to be joining us uh, virtually tomorrow. And I'm supposed to work on this where I don't timestamp what we're doing right now. And I just said we're here on Saturday night. So listen, if you're watching virtually, you're a day behind. But listen, we're glad you're here. And we're so glad you're here in person as well. Anybody else ready for the word tonight? Yeah, we're going to dive into the word. Listen, if you're a first-time guest with us, you joined us at a good time because we've been making our way through the book of Exodus. Uh, we've been following Paul's admonition from 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. 
sorry, chapter number 10, where he instructs us to follow the example of God's interaction with the Israelites, that there are life lessons to glean from God's response and his interactions with his people that still have import for us several centuries later. So we've been learning these life lessons. Right now we're in Exodus chapter 20. Before we dive into Exodus chapter 20, I just want to reiterate what Andrea shared earlier. We're continuing our Bible immersion campaign and we're reading through the book of Numbers together because the book of Numbers is a continuation of the sojourn, right, of the Israelites through the wilderness. So in June and July, we read through the book of Exodus. In the month of August, we're in the book of Numbers, and there are life lessons to glean from the book of Numbers as well. Let me qualify what that means, right? We are a New Testament, New Covenant church. So everything we believe and everything we practice, we filter through the finished work of the cross, amen? And so that our hope and our trust is not in what we can do, but it's in the finished work that Jesus did on the cross for our benefit and on our behalf. Amen? And so as we study the Old Covenant uh, or take these examples from the Old Testament, we recognize that we have to understand it and study it in the light of what Jesus did on our behalf. Amen? Uh, so if you will turn in your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20, which is one of two anchor texts, and uh, keep your finger in Exodus chapter 20, uh, and let's look at our second anchor text, which is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Again, familiar passage of scripture for those of you who are students of the word, and I'm doing my best not to spend too much time in review tonight so we can get on to tonight's message. Here's my difficulty. Here's my difficulty, man. I'm all about context, right? And so sometimes I'm like, well, there are people who are hearing this for the first time, and I don't just want them to dive in mid-sentence. So I'm doing my very best to say very little about what we've already covered. In fact, Pastor Wendy said it this way. Listen, let them know if they weren't here last week to go online and check out the message there. Amen. Wow, a whole bunch of y'all in agreement with Wendy. Okay, so I need to dive into today's message. Let me do that. Let me do that. All right, all right. So here we are with the sixth commandment. The sixth commandment is thou shall not murder. Thou shall not murder. Now, I said I was going to take some liberty with the text, and I was going to bring the text forward into more contemporary language, and so tonight's commandment is inspired by none other than bon qui qui. Come on, somebody. A few laughs. Come on. So, so back in the day, back in the day, there was this show on Fox TV called Mad TV, and there was a character on the show played by Angela Johnson. And this character worked at not Burger King, but King Burger. And the mantra at King Burger was, you can have it your way, but just don't get too crazy. And so her character was always frustrated when people had a complicated order. And one of the memorable lines from that skit from that sketch was, I will cut you. Okay, I was expecting a few more laughs from that. I think my timing and my delivery is off. Let me just set all of us free tonight. 
laughter doeth good like a medicine. Let me give you another one. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So it's okay. It is okay you have permission to smile and to laugh. It is okay. In fact, I'm going to take a little rabbit trail here. In fact, Christ followers should be not just the happiest because happiness is circumstantial. It's laughter that comes when circumstances are good. Christ followers should be the most joyful, joyous people on the planet because our joy is not circumstantial. That's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, I have learned. It doesn't come automatically or naturally to our carnal nature. He said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, good or bad, therewith to be content. Whether I abound or I'm abased. I've learned to be content. In every circumstance, gyra, you're more than enough. And so as Christ followers, let's shake off some of our religious external forms and just be real and honest and receive this thing called the joy of the Lord. In fact, every now and then, you might need a pharisectomy. Y'all made me get on my soapbox. No, listen to me. The word enthusiasm, the word enthusiastic comes from two words, entheos, en, in, theos, God. The most enthusiastic people on the planet. The most excited people on the planet. The most optimistic people in the world ought to be those of us who name the name of Christ. And that means it's okay every now and then to laugh. I'll be content in every circumstance. Why? He's Jaira. He's more than enough. So today's message, lifted from the sixth commandment, is inspired by Bon Kui Kui. <laughs> and my contemporary translation of thou shalt not murder is borrowed from the lips of Bon Kui Kui, I will cut you. In fact, we probably need to rephrase that and say, Bon Kui Kui, don't cut me. And listen, I want you to understand that when God is giving these instructions to the children of Israel, none of it is random or haphazard. God is very deliberate and he's very intentional about giving them these guardrails that will preserve them in the land of promise. Remember we said he had brought them out of 420 years of bondage and now he's bringing them into liberty and freedom. And how many of you realize that liberty comes with responsibility? 
They're coming from an environment where for 420 years, they were told what to do. Now God is bringing them to an environment where they are free to do as they choose. And how many of you realize that without boundaries and without guardrails, sudden freedom, sudden liberty can be destructive. And God is saying to them, and he's also saying to us, there are certain things, there are certain things that I want you to avoid in order to experience the fullness of this land of promise. What does the land of promise look like for the New Testament believer? It doesn't look like a geographical location. It looks like Christ's promise in John chapter 10 and verse 10. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what the promise looks like for us. And this promise is not just for the sweet by and by. It's for the hard here and now. He is saying that you and I can experience Zoe, life as God has it, the abundant life. But he also says that with that comes tremendous responsibility. And so he gives us these guardrails. The reason we're revisiting uh, ten, the Ten Commandments is because we're, again, taking this journey through the book of Exodus. So what does that mean to us? I'm not looking at a room full of violent offenders and serial killers. So what does the sixth commandment have to do with Converge Church on August 7th, 2021? What God was giving the Israelites was a crash course in anger management. I'll say that again. What God was giving the Israelites was a crash course in anger management. Because you don't just go from zero to murder overnight. In fact, there may have been certain behaviors that the Israelites displayed that caused God to give them this prohibition in the scriptures. God just wasn't pulling random commandments out of the hat. There were behaviors and dispositions and proclivities that he was trying to preempt. And it's not just about the fact that you take somebody else's life. It's about how you manage your pain, which often becomes anger. And so what's God saying to us tonight? God is saying, maybe there's an opportunity for us to learn how to deal with the things that trigger us and cause us to respond the way we do, which left unchecked could result in a worst-case scenario. Because after all, what is anger? Hmm, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Uh... The sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. The sixth commandment is an open invitation to all who will listen to participate in anger management. And we'll deep dive this as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, New Testament, verses 26 through 27 shortly. 
But notice the words of Aristotle who said, anybody can become angry. That's easy. But to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not within everybody's power and it's not that easy. Because most of what we call anger is misplaced and displaced frustration. Your anger is cheap and it's easy. Losing your temper is something that anybody can do at any time. The thing that shows maturity is your restraint when you have every reason to be angry. That's what it looks like to be grown. In Christ. Not a babe, not an infant, but to be grown in Christ. And that's what Aristotle would say. So easy. Just to lose it. And that's why Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said it this way. That the man or woman who has no self-control is like a city without walls, susceptible to attack. You know what that means? It's like the devil, even, he doesn't even have to figure out which button to push. He says you are without defense because you have no self-control. You go from zero to 60 that quick. And what God is inviting the Israelites and converged church into is a crash course in anger management. Listen. Anybody can be angry. That's the easy part. The hard part is to be angry and sin not. Let me, let me unpack that for you. Paul said it in Ephesians 4. He said, be angry. You know why? Because anger is a God-given emotion that alerts you that something you care about, that something you love is being mistreated or mishandled. That's why Jesus was filled with righteous indignation when the temple of God was desecrated and defiled and corrupted by money changers. There are some things that should stir up righteous indignation in you. Yet Paul says, in your anger, don't allow it to become a license to sin. It is possible, Chuck, to be angry about wrongdoing and not sin. And since we're talking about the book of Exodus, that's where Moses missed it. He was angry about the mistreatment of his people, but it resulted in sin anger. And so when God says, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder, he's not only asking us to deal with the action of murder or taking somebody's life. Or we say, man, this thing doesn't even pertain to me, Pastor Ray. Maybe he wants us to consider the attitudes that bring us to the place where we would and could cut somebody. That's what Paul is saying to our church. I mean, uh, that's what the sixth commandment is saying to our church in this season. 
Alrighty. So, so how do I, how do I, how do I um, navigate anger where I can be in touch with this emotion, God-given, uh, that alerts me that something that I care about is being mistreated and not sin. Y'all ready for this? Number one, number one, <laughs> this is anger management class. Number one, I have to learn the art of having confrontation without retaliation. Yeah, it's awful quiet in this Presbyterian church. Y'all got to help your pastor. It's okay to say amen every now and then. It's okay to say, just wave a white handkerchief and let me know that you're there. It is possible to have confrontation without retaliation. In fact, the two are not one and the same. The word confrontation comes again from two words, con meaning from and then front face to face. To come face to face with another. In fact, God modeled confrontation for us in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, when God said, Adam, where are you? He came face to face. Because the word confrontation, here's the, the, the modern definition of confrontation. It is a meeting of persons face to face. It is bringing together of ideas and themes. For what? For comparison. When you have a confrontation, you bring your idea, you bring your opinions, and you bring them together for comparison. You come face to face. You don't avoid the issue. You don't go around the issue. You come face to face. That's what God did with Adam. And he said, Adam, where are you? And when Adam was confronted by God, when God came face to face with Adam, guess what Adam did? What most of us do. We shift blame instead of taking responsibility. Well, God, I know you step into me, but none of this would have happened if you hadn't given me that woman, Eve. His words. God, the woman you gave me. God modeled confrontation for us. And if we are going to manage our frustration, we must be willing to come face to face with the source of my frustration. No, wait, let me point in the air. I was pointing at Pastor Wendy. Come on, somebody. You must come. No, I can't point at God either. Let me point at that wall. You must come face to face with the source of your frustration. Pastor Wendy and I call it uh, uh, the ex-boyfriend syndrome. You make the new guy pay for what the last guy did. And because you never came face to face with him, now you're making this other dude pay for something he had nothing to do with. It's unresolved conflict that we carry around in our emotions. And God says, if you're going to manage your anger, number one, number one, you have to master the art of coming face to face with the problem. All right, let me tell you the distinction. Confrontation is coming face to face. 
Retaliation is returning like for like. Retaliation is about revenge. Retaliation is about payback. And that's why Jesus, listen to me, some people think that Jesus was saying, man, oh, when things are right and you have conflict with somebody, oh, just leave it, never talk about it. And this is what we quote. Well, Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus said, go the extra mile. Jesus was talking about retaliation. He was saying, don't retaliate. He wasn't saying, don't confront the issue. And that's why Mahatma Gandhi, Mahatma Gandhi said, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And some of us in this room have confused confrontation for retaliation. And God gave us his example in the Garden of Eden. When Adam missed it, he didn't skirt the issue, he didn't avoid it, he came face to face with Adam to deal with it. May I submit to you that confrontation is the antidote for retaliation. Some of y'all caught that. That if you'll be willing to confront it, it will take away the need to retaliate. Right, Chuck? But most of us, because we're unwilling to confront it, come face to face with the problem, face to face with the problem, need to need. When my wife and I do counseling sessions with people, that's one of the things we do. You should see how tough it is. Because my wife says, that's her, man, that's her go-to. It's the jam too. Because I just be, I'll be just, ooh, what they about to do. And she'll make two people who pledged for better or worse through sickness and health, poverty and wealth. She causes them to confront the issue. Not sitting across the table, not sitting side by side, but eyeball to eyeball and knee to knee. It is the most uncomfortable thing even for people who claim they love each other. It's confrontation. Because confrontation keeps us from allowing our pain and our frustration to fester where it becomes retaliation. The sixth commandment don't cut me. Are y'all tracking? Yes. Woo. Now, in order, in order to master the art of confrontation, here it is. You cannot fear the dialogue. Listen. It's probably the toughest part of everything I'll say tonight, but it is the most important part of what I'll say tonight. Do not fear the dialogue. You got to talk about it. <laughs> Listen, and when I say you got to talk about it, you can talk to your girlfriend, your boy, your therapist, but at some point, if you're going to fix this thing, You got to come face to face. 
you got to come face to face. Now, when you come face to face, here, here's the rule of thumb. Here's the rule of thumb. You ready? Truth without grace is mean. But grace without truth is meaningless. Oh, let me say that one more time for good measure. Let it sink in. Don't fear the dialogue, but when you open your mouth to say what you got to say, always remember that truth without grace is mean. Well, I just call it like it is. I just speak my mind. Listen to me. Proverbs, I think it's 24, says the fool vents all his feelings. I ain't call you a fool. Scripture did. If you're someone who, I just speak my mind. I just tell it like it is. The scripture says you're a fool. <laughs> Proverbs 15 and verse 1, though, says a soft answer turns away wrath. How do I have confrontation? I start with a soft answer, not speaking my mind. Because truth without grace is mean. But let me give you the flip side now. All grace with no truth. If I don't get to this, the bottom of this thing, and I keep wrapping it up, it's meaningless. So don't fear the dialogue. I've said it before here at Converge, and it bears repeating. Y'all quiet on the brother tonight. Woo, I'm all up on that corn, on that bunion. Crushing it. Mm -hmm. I told y'all. Yeah. That's why I ain't got on no blazer or jacket tonight. I got on my skinny jeans and my J1s. Come on, somebody. All right. What was I saying? Somebody help me out. Oh, no, no, no. I, this bear's repeating. Here it is. Here it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. You need to. You need to have a truth teller in your life. I'll get back to that message another time. But here's, here's why you need a truth teller. You need a truth teller in your life. Because the truth may hurt, but it will never harm. <laughs> y'all miss what I'm saying, y'all. I said the truth may hurt to hear. The, especially the truth about yourself. It may hurt to hear. And that's why we fear the dialogue. We say, I don't want to say something that's going to hurt him. Now, the truth, if it's the truth, it'll hurt. It'll hurt going in. It's bitter medicine, but it will never harm. I was in a car accident in 2013. Ended up going to the chiropractor for about two years. Even to this day, my IT band will lock up all the way down here from my waist to my knee like pure concrete. Two years, I went to the chiropractor. And he would do adjustments that hurt. But they never harmed. In fact, the adjustments that he did that hurt ultimately healed. I'm talking about having a truth teller in your life that can speak the truth to you that will hurt going in. But ultimately, it will heal coming out. I'm talking about that scalpel that cuts 
in order for you to heal. So don't fear the dialogue. Don't fear the dialogue. Don't fear the dialogue. You got, you got, you, listen, <laughs> you, you got to have that conversation. And that's why we say you got to be willing to have crucial conversations. If you've never read the book, it's a, it's a book for the marketplace, but it's also a great book for relationships, crucial conversations. The authors, it's co-authored by four individuals, three or four, and they give these three reasons to have crucial conversations. Come on, somebody. This thing turned into marriage counseling on the fly. But it's not just marriage counseling. I'm talking about workplace. Remember, we said last week that the reason God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments was because he was trying to do what? Who was in class last week in the front? He was trying to elevate their what? He was trying to elevate their relational intelligence. He was trying to elevate the way they responded to him and the way they responded to each other. So one of the ways I elevate my relational intelligence, the one, of, one of the ways I make it through anger management class is not to fear the dialogue. And not fearing the dialogue means I have to be willing to have crucial conversations. So there's three reasons the authors say that all of us should have crucial conversations, whether it's in the marketplace, whether it's in interpersonal relationships. Number one, have crucial conversations because opinions vary. You see it one way. They see it another way. And that's everyday life. And most of us suffer in silence because we're afraid. We're afraid to become truth tellers, to say things that may hurt, but ultimately heal. Opinions vary. Uh, uh, Chuck, throw me a water bottle for a second. You don't mind. Come on, skills. Y'all see that? Come on, Odell Beckham. Y'all see what I did with that? Do it one more time. Do it one more time. Do it one more time. Let me prove my skills. Okay, let's do it one more time. One more time. No, no. Listen. Listen to me. Check, check this out. Check this out. Eh? What, what, what does the label on this bottle say? Mm-mm. Are you sure? People up close, what does this bottle say? Nestle Pure Life. Well, I can tell you that this bottle says ingredients, purified water, less than 0.5%, less than 0.5% calcium, uh, the source of public water supply from Beaver, Colorado. No, it says Nestle Pure Life. No. The problem with our communication and opinions varying is the fact that we make our case only from our perspective and our vantage point. The truth is, this bottle says Nestle Pure Life, and it also says all the stuff I just said. The problem is we dig our heels in, and we're never willing to move from where we sit to come around to the other side to see what the person I'm in conflict with sees. And we try to invalidate the fact that I'm reading something on the back of this label, and I see it clear, but because you can't see it, you insist this bottle says Nestle Pure Life. Opinions vary. 
You see it one way, they see it another way. And usually it's because of where we sit. Number two, the second reason that you and I should have crucial conversation is because crucial conversations is because emotions run deep. This is not just your opinion, but your emotions are connected to what you believe. Your emotions are connected to your ideas. Your emotions are connected to your belief systems. Your emotions are connected to your paradigms. So when somebody comes and they challenge that, you take it personal. And you're all in your feelings. Because it's not just about your opinions. Your emotions are attached. Because somebody is coming into your space telling you, Ah, you're thinking wrong about this. What you've always believed may not necessarily be true. And that's what it's like, Chuck, when the truth hurts. Okay? Number three, third reason, is because stakes are high. Stakes are high. What happens if we don't have this crucial conversation? For most people, they just go their separate ways. I can't live with them. I can't deal with them. No, the truth is, you can and you could. But you haven't mastered anger management. You haven't learned the power of healthy confrontation. All you know is retaliation. Are y'all with me? So, 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 where God is talking to the Israelites, man, he's not just saying, just don't kill him. He's saying, listen, there are things, there's this buildup, there's this slow burn that leads up to you wanting to kill somebody. And that's the stuff I want to deal with. And that's the stuff we're dealing with tonight. And it's not just true for the Israelites, it's true for us right here, right now. <sighs> Number three. Third reason, or the third Point in, oh, fourth, okay, fourth point uh, is in anger management is what you tolerate you cannot change. So don't complain about what you allow. I'll say that again. What you tolerate, man, you can't change. Whatever you normalize, ain't going to change. It's not just going to magically go away. So if you're dealing with it right now, it's because you gave it permission to exist. You authorized whatever that thing is that is frustrating you to exist because you have feared the dialogue. So let me read, let me read Ephesians, 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 Chapter 4, verses 26 through 28. I'm calling an audible. Well, no, I, 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 uh, I referenced it in the beginning, but let me just read it to you quickly. Oh, boy. Is this helping anybody tonight? <laughs> Here it is, Ephesians. <laughs> Thank you for your enthusiasm, Keith. I appreciate it. And Theos. Ephesians chapter 4, uh, what did I say? Verse 26, verse 26. 
we talked about it briefly, but let me just read the progression in the text. It says, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I'm talking about the things that we allow to fester. The things we refuse to confront. That's what he's saying. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You mad about it, but you don't talk about it. Because you say, well, if I just leave it alone, it'll go away. And it usually does for a season. <laughs> but the next time you push that button, you're not only dealing with that instance, but you're dealing with everything before that you never addressed. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you tolerate it, it will take on a life of its own. He goes on to say, and do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, the translation I'm reading from the New King James says, uh, do not give place to the devil. Uh, the word picture that Paul uses is a beachhead. Anybody ever see uh, Saving Private Ryan? The movie Saving Private Ryan? So the opening scene in Saving Private Ryan, the Allied troops, actually the U.S. troops are landing at Normandy. All they have, the Germans, the Nazis have, are these big guns. And they're just picking off all these U.S. troops. You know why? Because the word picture there is of giving an enemy a place to land in your territory. What the scripture is saying is when we let the sun go down on our wrath and we don't deal with the issues that are bothering us, it's like letting the Allied troops land at Normandy without even putting up a fight. No, what you're saying is, come on, devil. I saved you a spot right here. Stay as long as you want. I got you some house shoes. <laughs> I got you a smoking jacket. I just had a picture of Fred Sanford. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Fred had that smoke. That was a bad smoking jacket, though. That was, yeah, man, that was the jam. I always wanted one. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath. If you're going to master this anger management class, you have to recognize if I tolerate this thing, I can't change it. So I can't complain about what I have allowed on my watch. I allowed the enemy to have a beachhead. I allowed the enemy to land without putting up a fight. No, and again, the Nazis were the enemy, but come on, somebody. That's the kind of vigilance we need to have when we see the enemy trying to, trying, to, trying to find a spot somewhere in our emotions against the people we love. Pick them off. You be a sniper. Take every single emotion that is toxic and don't allow it to get a foothold in your heart and your mind. But it happens when we don't deal with it quickly. Because now we create an inner script that is not true. That we rehearse. Woo! Thank you, Holy Ghost. We rehearse our trauma instead of rehearsing the truth. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And if you rehearse it long enough, it becomes true to you. 
it becomes your truth. But it's all based on a lie that was never confronted. Man, I need to do this no review thing often because I'm about to finish my whole message. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Pastor Wendy. I appreciate it. I think I'm going to have some time to spare, too. This is good. All right. Here it is. Uh, final point. Here it is. Hatred and murder. Hatred and murder don't happen overnight. They happen over time. I'll say that again. Hatred and murder. The, the, the ill will that you feel may be feeling in your heart toward another person didn't just happen. It didn't just happen overnight. You didn't just wake up one morning and just you, you're on the edge where you, I wish I didn't, I don't. It didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. Because I tolerated it. And now this thing has taken a life, taken on a life of its own. So this is where I close. Man, look at that smile. So proud of myself. <laughs> ah, this is where I close. This is where I close. I close here because murder for the Old Testament faithful looks a lot different than murder for the New Testament believer. What we say, you shall not murder. Most of us say, well, I ain't never killed nobody. Pastor Ray, why are you talking about this? That's Old Testament. We undergrace it. Let me tell you, let me, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you what murder looks like in God's book for the new covenant, the new testament, born-again believer. Y'all ready for this? Yes. Listen, this, he said, this is how you know you're born again. This is how you know that Jesus has come into your life. This is what it says. It says, 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Verse 15, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You know why God sent me here to speak this message to Converge Church? It's to say that if you harbor hatred in your heart for somebody, unresolved conflict, if you hate somebody because of the color of their skin, you are a murderer already. You ain't got to pick up the knife. You ain't got to pick up the gun. The scripture says you and I can know that we have moved from death to life, that the eternal life of God is abiding in us. That means it's, means it's at work, not dormant. If you hate somebody, you know what that means? The life of God has become dormant in you. And it's not just that you hate your brother. The scripture says you are a murderer. So why are we talking about the sixth commandment? We're talking about the sixth commandment because of 1 John chapter 5. The musicians can come as we pray. So what does God want us to do with all this information? 
I think more than anything, God wants us to examine our hearts. Because some of us tonight maybe feel justified in our anger. We may feel justified in our hatred. Yet the scripture says explicitly two things, that if I harbor hatred in my heart, the life of God does not abide. It is dormant. And number two, if I hate my brother, I am a murderer. So tonight, tonight, right where you are, right where you are, just make your seat, your 18 inches, your altar, and just surrender that thing to God. Maybe you say, Pastor Ray, this had nothing to do with me. Y'all know how, how we do. We think about all the people that should have been here tonight to hear this message. <laughs> Woo, I'm going to get the CD for Sister So-and-So. Nah, 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 maybe this one, <laughs> maybe this one was for Y-O-U. And I can guarantee you this message was for M-E-Me. -me. I'm wearing this shirt and it says Jesus greater than me. And right here, it's got John chapter 3 and verse 30. And it's from the New Living Translation and this is what it says. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. And maybe tonight, that's what God's asking us to do, to allow him to become greater and greater. And we, in our offense, in our anger, must become less and less. So Jesus, tonight, we invite you to be greater than we are. Lord, we lay it all at the altar. We lay it all at your feet. And we say, Lord, have your way in us. Heal our hearts. Father, give us the, the willingness. Give us the grace to have the confrontation so that it doesn't become retaliation. Father, give us the willingness to have the dialogue. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength to no longer tolerate the things that are destructive. And Father, if there's any animosity, any anger, any hatred, any unresolved conflict or tension toward another person, another image bearer of God, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that because of the decisions we make tonight, we will not be guilty of murder Father we trust you to do it now as only you can in Jesus name and everyone said amen and amen did that help anybody tonight <laughs> I don't know about you but I had a good old time in the Lord and this is what I told uh, uh, Pastor Wendy I was going to try to teach all the commandments tonight I realized the remaining commandments so this is number six we got four to go and I'm gonna do my best to get through this this month right so we've got three more weeks and I'm gonna try to get all four into those three weeks and we'll close out the series why don't you stand with us amen we're so glad you joined us if you're watching by uh, uh, what we say 
Facebook, YouTube, virtually. We're so glad you joined us. Why don't you do this? Share this message uh, and let somebody know it might help them uh, to make some changes and adjustments in their hearts uh, to the glory of God. So this is how we're going to close out our services. Uh, we've been in the book of Numbers. We've been in the book of Numbers. And in Numbers chapter 6, right, today is uh, day 7, but in Numbers chapter 6, beautiful blessing, the ironic blessing. And I'm just going to declare that over you, man. And as we do, as we do, I pray that you will receive it as God's promise to you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And this week, in the days and even the weeks to come, that he might give you peace, his peace that passes all understanding. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.